Welcome to Cardboard in the Classroom. This is a podcast about using board games in the classroom to bridge a student's understanding and engagement with the purpose to richen their learning experience. This episode of Cardboard in the Classroom is brought to you by the fantastic people at Gamesurplus.com. Hey there, this is episode four of Cardboard in the Classroom. I'm your host, Norm. And I'm Ryan. And on today's episode, we're going to discuss suburbia and... Surro. Bridge City Board Gamers are proud to identify the good, the bored, and the ugly as our cardboard cohorts. In this growing community, it's important to create relationships that help you learn, grow, and support one another. You can find their podcast on iTunes and their channel on YouTube where they produce and create new content every week. Welcome back. All right. Episode four, Cardboard in the Classroom. I'm actually really excited that we've made it to four already. I was say, number four. This is Time's flying. That's an achievement. Time's at least, flying. At least for me. I, I can barely stay on track with anything I'm interested in. Oh, and it's just that busy time of the school year, too, and it's... We're starting to get wrapped things up. There's only about there's only about just over a month left until the summer holidays. And the grade twelves are freaking out. Oh yeah. Oh. Not yeah. about exams, about what to wear for prom. My 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 classroom constantly smells of smoke and fear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so the classroom context that I'm going to be using is is uh for us in Saskatchewan here the grade ten, uh, workplace and apprenticeship curriculum. Uh, one of the outcomes in the grade 10 workplace and apprenticeship curriculum is uh, an outcome on we have to play puzzles and games, which I'm not going to complain about. Yay! Um, so, but in grade 10, the focus on your spa- on your um, games and puzzles has to be revol- revolving around spatial reasoning. So being able to manipulate and be able to visualize um, certain contexts in certain situations. So... Um, the, the and there's a lot of games. Oh, out there's there. a lot. Yeah. Now, you know, here, here's straight out of our curriculum. Okay. Our, our curriculum is about nine, ten years old now. <laughs> Which is pretty young for our standards. Uh, yeah. So here, here's the <laughs> curriculum suggestions of games that I, I should be playing with my students. <clears throat> Battleship. I'm guessing this, this list is coming from non-gamers. I'm maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Battleship, which I can kind of see the spatial thing in there. Um, Tetris. Okay, yeah. I, I can see that. I love Tetris. Yeah, absolutely. It's still, it's still, it's still just a love. And uh, Connect Four. Well, I mean, Connect Four is a yeah. really good, like, very simplistic kids spatially. Absolutely. But we're we're talking about this grade, is high school. We're though. talking about grade ten students. These are um like sixteen, like on average sixteen year olds. Yeah. I'm not going to keep their attention with playing Connect Four. Well, you're barely keeping my attention right now. <laughs> so. So um, I'll highlight what I li- I like to do with this unit. Um, usually I don't I don't teach it all at once. Um, it's a unit that I spread over the course of a whole semester. So at the end of uh, we do some topic, then I will take a few days and we'll say, hey, we are working on puzzles and games. Then we'll work through another unit. Then I'll say, hey, we're going to take another two or three days. We're going to work on puzzles and games. And hopefully by the course, I would have had enough content that you can I've, check off. I, I can check it off. Say, yeah, that was a pretty solid unit okay. of, 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 of learning. Um, 
how I assess this is that I use the use the game journals like I've mentioned in the past, uh, mm-hmm. just to keeping track of what games have we played and have some guiding questions along with what they're playing. And then, but with the grade ten class, since it's a spatial, it's really hard to spatial reason things. I actually assess using a classroom tournament, like a tournament, <laughs> style. and I'll, I'll get back uh, how how that how that all ties together. So the analog application, the now forewarned. There's going to be people out there listening saying, well, these these games meet spatial reasoning. There, there's there's lots of them out there. Yeah. And lots of the ones that I've used in my classes that I've used, I'm not going to talk about today. I'll probably talk about it on a future episode. Um, but a couple of the ones that I like to use and I've always found success are Blockus. Yep. Blockus meets that great requirement and students love it. Um, King Domino. And uh, the new uh, new one of that was just released on number nine. Yeah. So those ones I do use and plan on using. Uh, but the one I want to talk about today is Suro by, uh, what is his name? Tom McMurchy, released in 2004 by Calliope Games. I'm going to go with that. <laughs> I, pro- I apologize for any pronunciation. Um, the correlation to the content in the game, well... Suro is a very fantastic spatial puzzle where you are starting your little pawns off the board and then you are dealt these tile cards that have all these different lines and paths and zigs and zags and all over the place. And you've got a hand of them. I think it's three. Yeah. And on your turn, all you do is you place the tile down and then your little pawn moves along that path, moves along that path. So um, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. So w- as they move along, now everybody else is going to do that around the board. And so this board is going to get filled up with these tiles really, really, really fast. And s- sometimes these paths are going to start interconnecting. Now what the goal of the game is, is you want to be the last person standing. Because if your piece ever en- flies off of the board. Or into another dragon. Or into another person, you're eliminated. On that checkerboard, that, that thing fills up really fast. Yeah, so I usually do this with, I know the game says it plays up to eight. I don't do eight-person games in my classroom. <laughs> four, four students, far, five students at a time. That I think that's a real good sweet spot for this game. You yeah. get enough turns that you can actually start, you can do a little bit of planning with the tiles that are in your hand. And well, it, I think it goes to seven, and if I've seen that uh, if you're at seven, the first person out, I mean, it's entertaining to watch, but it's a lot more fun to be in it. Yeah, so at the four- and five-player games, you last on the board a little bit longer than maybe in those higher player counts. So it's really interesting when they start playing, when they start playing the game, because I can see strategies starting to form. Like how am I going to stay on this board um, long enough so that I can put myself in a position to win and everything. And so a lot of students have already realized that if I get towards the middle of the board, um, that sets me up that I'm not going to fly off the board right away as long as, not if I'm staying close to the edges, because if I stay close to the edges, maybe I might won't end up with a tile that, that the way the way I, the <laughs> only one that I can play will run me off the board. Yeah. So it's been really it's been really neat watching students um, interact with that. So goal of the game, obviously, I said was last person standing. Um, I really uh, imp- this is most important thing. Since I'm assessing spatial reasoning, mm-hmm. there's none of this. I select a tile. I'm going to put it on the board, and then 
oh, maybe I turn it this way or maybe I turn it that way. No, 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 no. Yeah. Not in my class. Yeah, well, my daughter, she's nine. And, and then that's that's the scaffolded, scaffolding mm-hmm. approach that we have is I tell her just to hold it in front of your face and just kind of look at it as you're looking at the board. But this is grade 10, right? So they should be able to have that mental image in their head and reason abstractly. Yeah, so, so, so that's part of what I'm saying. You have to sit there. I say as soon as the tile crosses the plane of the board, Ooh. you have to set it down. You're and vicious. then everybody else. So you have to sit there and kind of you have to turn it off the board and look at it. So as soon as it hits that invisible wall, its orientation is locked. Yeah, yeah. And I tell everybody, you got to be all the referees saying, nope, nope, nope. You've got to put it down now because it crossed that imaginary threshold of okay now you got to play it the way it is because you should have had enough time that you can mm, think about it a table full of referees i don't know yeah <laughs> but, but you've 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 probably never i mean it's a game you probably never had any conflict that you'd had to intervene with no no the the first time that a student does that they, they don't do it again because everybody's <laughs> just like no no and they're like but well, that's not okay i learned my lesson yeah <laughs> i'm coming back to <laughs> don't lick a metal fence in winter oh yeah do it the once. Fir- the first yeah. time you do it, you're never going to do it again. Yeah. So instructional design, how do I teach this game? Well, luckily, um, they've made an app for this game. So I've been mm-hmm. able to connect the iPad to the smart board. And so that I can do a little demonstration. They can all visually see me manipulating pieces, the exact same pieces that they're going to use, but I, in a digital format on, on the board. So, so that speeds up the learning process. You don't. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not a hard teach no. to, to begin with and everything. They get right away that you have, you lay down a tile, you move your piece. And it's language independent, right? I mean, that's the best thing I love about it. Yeah, we've been getting this more and more increase of these um, English as an additional language learners yeah, or EAL students in our, in classrooms, our, in our yeah. classrooms that, yeah, bringing in something that doesn't have a, a language component to it is is huge well because you're taking away a, a level of frustration that that they experience that a lot of other students um who are english dependent don't experience so exactly. yeah that's good yeah and so then the evaluation of the project like i said we will take a day that we will just lear- all learn the game and i always challenge the students because I have to assess this mm-hmm. i'm gonna have to i have to give them a mark yeah. <laughs> apparently or, or or some sort of guide on a grading scale i have to do something to quantify in the in the curriculum do. do they have criteria that you can well we've kind got of? well we've got our we've got our grading scale that we yeah. can follow by okay so that's kind of what i loosely base my evaluation on and so the best way that i can do well we have the games journal so can they actively reflect on what they do I say that they have to always be actively. We're not playing games for the sake of playing games. No, there's there's an underlying learning. Yeah, the, the the curriculum has said, okay, we have to be developing spatial reasoning. So this is my best approach. So then you have to be actively involved. Now, how do I quantify something that's <laughs> not easily quantifiable? Like how do I assess? Some, so I took I took a suggestion from a phys ed teacher. Okay. So. How do they assess somebody, like, say, playing basketball? Shooting a three-pointer, yeah. There, there, there's lots of students out there that will be really good basketball players already, yeah. and there's students out there that could care less about basketball. But they still have to... Learn the mechanics stuff, and learn. demonstrate, yeah. So way I set it up as, I set it up as a kind of like a tournament. So initially, the classroom is just randomly divided into students, and you play a game, and I 
kind of do like a little bit of a Swiss format. Like if you if you finish first in the game, you get four points. If you okay. finish second, third, uh, uh, yeah, four points, three yeah. points, two points, one point, and then after that, it's no points. And so then, just, you know, just like Mario Kart, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> and then, so after they all play a game, they'll come and we'll record the who won, who got second, and then all of a sudden, I'll then I will match them up with okay, who all won. Okay, now you guys all play a game. Who all came in second? You guys all get to play a game. Who all came third? You guys get to play a game. Creating environments of uh, equal level play. Yeah. And then then they'll play again, and then they'll get their points, and then okay, okay, who all got? Who all has? Who's all got like seven points right now? Okay, you guys are playing a game. Or who all has like th only like four points? Okay, you guys are playing a game. And hopefully, throughout that whole process, if you're good at the game and if you've understood the spatial reasoning behind it you should probably be in that top tier yeah so what we call we call that um exceptional yeah we call that exceptional so if you if you've managed to stay high points for the whole thing yeah you've got you got an exceptional ability to understand the move um then the next tier i'll, I'll find out what i don't know what the exact numbers i use or anything mm -hmm. but but then there's a proficient tier yeah and then there's a growing but tier there's a hierarchy that, that you create yeah, yeah. And if, if you kind of just sat there and you kind of ne and you never won a game, well, you didn't take the learning experience, or maybe you just kind of struggle with it. So then you're maybe now you're on my my developing, yeah, uh, my tier, and everything. But at least I was able to quantify because you've played probably played this game over the course of two days. You probably played this thing at least five or six times. So you should, you should have you, an you understanding. Should, you should have learned some sort of spatial reasoning. Not necessarily mastered it, but have no. learned. Yeah. Yeah. So at least I've been able to quantify it. That's good. Um, yeah. I, so that's that's what I do with Suro in, in in my classes. It's an easy teach. Um, students really enjoy this one. I was gonna say I always I always to me it's always down to the engagement because if somebody's not engaged, then and then I'm very surprised how competitive they can get. <laughs> <laughs> because they're not they're only teenagers, they're, they're, man. They're, they're not only trying to set up. I can see people trying to set up themselves so that they can best win the game, but they're also also selecting tiles so that how their opponents lose oh. the game. Because if I can put a tile down, then all of a sudden sends somebody else's tile in a completely different quadrant of the board. Let's well, mess them up. And <laughs> I have some students that love this game, and they have that most sinister look in their eye when they're selecting a tile, and they'll stare at somebody, and and you know it's like they've found a victim. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's awesome. So it, so it's a really cool thing. So and I do the same format with all my other games, like when I've played King Domino mm -hmm. or I've played Blockus. I've done the same thing where it's the, it's the tournament structure, where you're probably gonna play the game at least about like six six times throughout the whole the whole process. That and every teenager is very familiar with that whole tournament system, right? So it's not like. They're having to learn a new system and then learn yeah. what you're trying to. And it's not by all means the most perfect um, system, but I that's the kind of the, the route that this phys ed teacher gave me. Yeah, that said, I you know I I can live with that. And and and, 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 this, and the student and the yeah. students understood it. They're like, okay, well, I don't have to be perfect at the game. But I can still gain points if I'm like second or third. Yeah, I just have to be able to play the game. Yeah, yeah. and by being able to play the game is can I reason my way by these tiles? How can I set myself up so that I don't get eliminated like right away? That's kind of really the goal of this whole thing. 
kind of how long can I stay on the board for? Cool. Something just popped in my head. I thought, hey, the guys who win these games are usually the ones who create circuit boards. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. It's like <laughs> they just look at something and go, okay, I've got all the pathways figured out. Leave me alone. But also on that note too, some of the learners that I thought that they're not the per they're not the perfect oh, yeah. math student, but they come out of the woodwork when they start doing something a little bit different. And I, I like that aspect of our curriculum. They're starting to gain these these outcomes that aren't for like your numerically um, competent yeah. students. That they we're working through other types of reasoning. That just yeah, that just popped in my head about like learning styles. You're now addressing an abstract concept. To students who might not pick up on those abstract concepts, but you're presenting it, presenting it to them in a tactile, um, functional. They can see what's going on, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, their brain might just go, "Boom! I I figured it out. I got it. I can see it. It's it's tactile. I, it's, yeah, those those, those yeah. multiple atrocious, the multiple intelligences I, that can that yeah, go on. Yeah, that's awesome. And and probably, and I, and you probably witnessed this too. The, the satisfaction that you see on the student's face when they make this breakthrough. Right. And so and a, a little bit on that, I've, I'm starting to work in, I think I'm going to introduce now the next time I teach grade 10. I didn't teach grade 10 this semester. Yeah. But in the future here, I've got a couple ones also jotted down um, between two cities could possibly work with this. Yeah. And uh, an- another favorite of mine, if I can only find some more copies of it, um, Baron Park. Yeah, would be another great. Well, one. I mean, I thought of patchwork too. Anything because when you said Tetris, patchwork, yeah, patchwork, Baron Park. Um, I wouldn't give them feast for Odin because that would make their little <laughs> eyes pop out of their skull. Right, sixty-one choices. Yeah, <laughs> the only downside to patchwork it only plays two players at a time, and I would have to get a lot of copies of that so that all the students can be engaged at the same time. We'll have to find out who the publisher is and uh, and just you know. Be, do the old, do, do, the, do old, the old wink, wink, yeah, nudge, wink, nudge. wink, nudge, nudge. Hey, I'm trying to improve yeah. student learning. Yeah. Are you all about that? B- yeah, <laughs> big, big cat eyes, please. Um, so this is, I mean, I'm just, I'm gonna. It's go always on. been, a, it's always been a success. Students absolutely look forward to the end of a unit because they know that the next couple days is going to be, we're gonna be playing some games. I'm, I'm laughing right now because so you're using a filler game as a filler part of the unit. Yeah. All right. Wow, we meted that. Wow. <laughs> I have to take a moment here. That's great. That's filler, good. A That's filler good. game to fill in the curriculum. Oh, I love it. Yay. And, and there's probably maybe a half a percentage of people that can appreciate that connection. Right. <laughs> so and if you, if you have, if our one listener out there has, <laughs> <laughs> has yeah. any other suggestions of, of spatial reasoning type of games, I'm, I'm all for it. I have, I have a little bit of a library already, but I'm always looking for new things and, and we're to, always, to add to we're it. We're very active um, on Twitter. So right, at, at BC Board Gamers. Uh, yeah, so that, so, so that one listener who's out there, <laughs> we're talking to you. Yes. All right, okay, so to surmise, Ryan, you... So I used uh, Suro in my grade 10 workplace and apprenticeship math classes with the outcome of hopefully the students took away a bit of spatial reasoning. And the, uh, this for sure, just from what I understand, this is for sure something that you're always going to come back to for your... Yeah, this is this is something in the stable. Every time that I'm going to teach grade 10, this one particular class, this is always going to be a staple. Awesome. And a bunch, a bunch of those other activities that I'm probably going to record in, in the future. Well, that's a math class that I would probably be good at. <laughs> <laughs> that, okay. one, that one topic. That one thing. <laughs> that one thing. I don't 
I don't see any fractions in that one. Um, so, all right, so from, uh, from my classroom, um, we have uh, a grade 11 sociology class, so I think that's like dimensions away from, uh, from the math class. I'm, I'm starting to glaze over here. <laughs> no, <laughs> sociology's cool. It's awesome. Um, so I might, I might pay attention more once I hear about what you're doing here. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I hope so. Um, uh, so the unit was uh, society and culture, and the lesson um, was sort of a, a conglomerate of social institutions. Um, the analog application, so the game that I picked after uh, I, I run through the the connections from the course and connections to the game. The, but uh, the game that I picked was Suburbia, came out in 2012, which is funny because 2012 is not that far away, but everybody calls this an old game. <laughs> I know, it's only like, what, that's six years it's now. Like, so. It's like gaming years are like dog years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> one, one, one year is equal to like, what, five or six? Five or six, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, it's uh, Ted Allspatch and uh, Bezier Games. Um, I have to admit, one one of the games that I I absolutely adore, um, and but uh, it doesn't hit the table as often as I'd like it. So I'm really happy to be able to bring it into the classroom because I have more of an excuse to uh, to participate in that game. So suburbia, the correlation is um, in my curriculum. I'll just go through a, like a, a um, kind of a drive through of the topics in sociology. And because you've played Suburbia a lot, from what mm -hmm. I understand. Mm -hmm. And I have it on the iPad, too. Oh, so. oh there's an addict. <laughs> um, so as I go through this list, you, uh, you'll probably in your head go, check, yeah, that game offers that. that. So um, social institutions, we have education, family, religion, government, economy, health, medicine. And then we jump to, uh, jump to the side a bit and we talk about the functionalism of society. And then we wrap it up with urbanization and urban growth. So that's the course content. And, and that's essentially what you're trying to do in <laughs> suburbia is to grow a little, a little town or city. Well, um, yeah, absolutely. Because I, uh, I wrote down and I'll read the game description. And the game description could be a basically a curriculum checklist for you know, resources for this teaching this class. So here's the game description. And I didn't make this up. Plan, build, and develop a small town into a major metropolis. Use building tiles to add residential, commercial, civic, and industrial areas, as well as a specific point, a special points of interest that provide benefits and take advantage of the resources of near uh, nearby boroughs. Your goal is to have your boroughs thrive and end up with a greater population than any of your opponents. So there's that focus on money and population. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, the that. The, the, the tiles themselves and all the theme on the tiles completely connect to the, the curriculum. But what I was, when it comes into like what I wanted this game to do, um, I want to first identify that relationship in the game but because that's where the success comes from is that relationship between uh, money and population, right? Oh, yeah. And, and there's the, the correlation, too, of like when I put a certain tile by another tile, you can either be reducing your reputation or increasing your population because you've now added that one particular structure. And that and that doesn't affect just one. It affects many factors, doesn't mm -hmm. it? Um, positively and negatively. And yeah. sometimes the negative helps. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing because it helps in the long term of this whole kind of city development philosophy. So 
Moving on to the idea of uh, like measurements of success, um, and as, as I put it in my notes, like what are the goals or objectives um, that, the, that I'm going to use in the game to connect it to the class? And um, I, have, I have a statement that I, I constantly refer to in class when we're in this unit that um, society needs people and people need society. It's, there's this dynamic relationship. And this game, as you're putting tiles down and your population is, I mean, there's sometimes where you can start making game moves while you're placing your tile and your population will just dive or spike just from one choice. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I really like it in the game too, because if your population's growing too fast, then like all those other things like your reputation and your income are starting to decrease a little bit because you're growing so fast and you got to try to keep up. So, the, yeah, and that's the that's one of the things that I mean, we'll state it now and then we'll come back to it later. But that's one of the things that I wanted to what that I wanted the game to demonstrate to the students is that anything that is that is like radical or um, spiky will have a I'm not I don't want to say a negative effect, but will have an immediate impact mm -hmm. on on the condition of, of the game or the condition of society from from the game simulation point right, of view right so um okay I, I wrote this down because i, I don't want to get tongue-tied but um i want the game to demonstrate the interconnectedness of social change and development and how these elements can dynamically affect other social systems which is basically a as I, as my brother and i would say a big forehead way of saying that choices affect other systems and and positively or negatively and um and it can be either smooth transition or it can be a radical transition right from what you just described and uh right because it's because it's oh i'm now i'm, I'm going to draw a blank here and i'm sorry because if, if you put too much industrial yeah next to re residential in that game it well your reputation is not going to be very very good because you're building all these power plants and everything like that right beside where people are living and people don't want to live like that. Yeah, so thematically, I think it has a really good um, demonstration of, of this effect. Mm -hmm. um, you, I remember the, the, um, the one of the first games that, that I played was with you and you were, you were teaching most of us. And I think it was my first or second game. And I, I was trying to play around with that idea of when you said how, how uh, certain choices will make population increase fast and I was trying to see if not that if I could break that but if I could you know push it as hard as I could and and kind of hang on to the reins of this pack of wild horses when it comes to um, the, the the consequences or the impact that yeah, I had on my bird if your population is you're, you're skyrocketing that population you want to be also trying to make sure that you're also getting a good a good source of income yeah because if you're rocketing up and your income track is starting to go down, um, you need money to put more stuff into your city to pump up your city. And then the relationship with the, the reputation, as you said, because that the right. reputation affects. Right. And the reputation is going to increase your population. It's, yeah. It's the, that, that whole interconnectedness. Um, from I, know, I like it too. And when your reputation gets down, you're actually going to lose population because you're not very, <laughs> it's not a very reputable city to live in. And um, s yeah, so one of the, uh, when it comes to the, the evaluator, you know, how we get the students to understand the relationship is 
um, one of the ideas for like the questions or the formative kind of evaluation is if they can look at what dynamically happened in the game and research real world situations that that mm. have this correlation to it. Um, and the first one that pops to mind is um, a lot of the people might not be aware, but we are because it's the province next to us is the the Fort McMurray boom mm -hmm. where they had the oil sands, the, the oil prices. They couldn't get that stuff processed fast enough and they needed a population and it was it the population exploded but the city didn't have the infrastructure to support the people and the mayor actually said stop moving here we can't we are gonna you're gonna break the city the the water system wasn't set up for that population the sewage system wasn't po so that is one example that i use in that question scenario so that they understand Oh, yeah, it's all interconnected. Right. And sometimes here in Saskatoon, we can see that uh, we, we've kind of went through a little bit of a population increase over the past uh, a few years. And we can I can already see it on my like on my drives. Um, our, our freeway infrastructure is at, <laughs> at many, many, many times not ca not capable of holding the, the amount of traffic that we that we ha that we've got now going. And and this is this is against that Canadian stereotype that we don't say sorry on the road. Not <laughs> I don't. I'm sure I don't. Yeah, nobody's saying sorry to me on the road. That's for <laughs> sure. Um, all right. So the instructional design part. Let's transition into that. So how how will we learn the game and distribute playtime? Um, I'm a big fan of. Let's not spend too much time figuring out how to play it, let's experience how to play it. And I think with this game, that because of the app industry, a lot of people have a good concept of the system of like a sieve builder. Um, I grew up, and again, I don't want to show my age, but I grew up when SimCity first started up. Love SimCity. And yeah, so I mean, at least that's a context that everybody, you know, um, even the teenagers of nowadays, um, oh yeah, I remember that uh, old classic. That's when my, you know you listen to those you know LP record things, <laughs> um, the large CDs. Yeah, those big black CD things. Uh, so at least everybody has a context of what a civ builder is. How you you know that you're just a you know city builder, a civilization builder, or like Age of Empires. Uh, right. A lot of the a lot of the kids um, can grasp immediately that concept, and they just have to now know. How does the system work? So that's, I mean, and they're now trained to um, go to BGG, go to the video links, go to the files. Um, a lot of them are so super competitive now that they, they're, they're used to the cardboard in the classroom and they'll go to the cheat sheets and the player aids and the, like the forums of the game theory because they don't want to be that guy right. who kind of, oh, uh, I lost the game. Right. And you can also do kind of that too, since it is in an app format. Yeah. Too, you can hook it up to the smartboard like I do with Suro, and you can do a quick little demonstration on how the tiles interact with each other. And so that's uh, for me, that's a really good part because as a stepping stone into having this in the classroom, that learning curve is like it, it isn't steep at all. It's pretty immediate, and you can get straight to the game. What ideas and concepts am I trying to reinforce? Well, I think we touched a lot about that, was this, this relationship, this interconnectedness of all these social systems and mm -hmm. how each one affects the other. I mean, you could get all zen and say, you know, drop a pebble in the pool kind of thing, and, and it, you know, it, it, it 
because when you do something in your boroughs, it also affects your opponent's boroughs, right? Oh, yeah. When there's, 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 there's that interconnectedness. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not just how your choices can affect your social system. It's long-term impact can affect another social system. So that's what I, that's what I was really kind of um, not thriving on, but, but anticipating that the students would connect with this. And, and I, I got to you know, give them the benefit of the doubt. But they are teenagers. They are teenagers. Um, how will I evaluate the success of this activity is always a question that, I mean, everybody has that doubt as a teacher. Is this going to go over? Are they going to like this? How, if they don't like this, what's going to happen? Am I going to get, you know, are the uh, townsfolks going to pick up pitchforks and chase me <laughs> out of the classroom? <laughs> um, but I think both of us have a really good filter of what our students will consume as content in the classroom and what they will reject. So they, I mean, I'm a big believer on body language and, and uh, um, just, uh, you know, their attention. And they're immediately engaged and they're energized. Right. Sort of like, w you know, what's on, what's on the menu today, LePage? Exactly. And uh, so, yeah, I have no problems getting them uh, to buy into what I want them to experience. Well, yeah, and like you mentioned, we've, we've been through this process already. So we've already kind of, classically train them to start this is not a games day we're not we're not just here to play games there's a there's a meaning and there's a there's a message behind it so let's try to figure out what that message is it's like uh, pavlov the students smell cardboard <laughs> it's game time they, they they've already figured out that we've tricked them into learning yeah oh learning's <laughs> kind of fun maybe mister um so the uh how do i evaluate the connectedness or, or the the connection that did the students understand why I use this game? And that's when we start to get into that whole uh, formative assessment and how do we, how do we, like you said, how do we quantify this or how do we qualify this? And you're, you're a math teacher, so you're big into quantification. Mm -hmm. And uh, me being of the humanity side, it's all about qualification. So I use a lot of, uh, we, we call them KWLs, like what do you know? Um, what do you want to, um, you know, the, the, the what, the how do you learn. So I, right. I developed, I'm in currently in the process because I haven't delivered this to the class yet. This is sort of like work in progress from the instructional design side. Um, so I don't want to, I don't want to turn the cardboard into the classroom like a kind of uh, an, an autopsy of, a, of an idea and then have them, you know, kind of trick them and go, oh yeah, here's your eight page assignment now. Um, I want to keep it straightforward and keep the I that th that the ideas are what's the most important thing. So the like I had said, um, they've had this simulation experience. Now s try to find examples in real life situations, as I referred to Fort McMurray. And I think I'm going to follow that where it's just a simple matter of find me a real life example and and draw and and demonstrate to me, um, you know, written or a presentation for in a class like PowerPoint or Prezi or whatever. I hope mm -hmm. there's no copyright thing on that. <laughs> Allegedly Prezi. Um, and, uh, and have them basically draw the lines for us. And right. if they're capable, then that tells me that, yeah, they, they made that connection. And if it's just a matter of me going, you're very close. If you maybe turned your perception, you know, to the left or right, you'd be, you know, closer right. on the target. So to me, that is... I, I, I like it. Like from your perspective, from when I told you about the course and about the, the game, are you, are you seeing 
What's I'm, going I, on? I, I'm seeing it from the point of view that you're kind of you're you're kind of an urban planners, and so maybe you can even bring in some experience from that the 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 city of Saskatoon oh, ur, yeah. ur, ur, urban planners and say, hey, and we did this simulation. Um, with with this board game, is this board game even close? Like when you go to design something, of do you pay attention to like these industrial areas going next to residential areas? I or? would I would really hate to hear the answer though, because <laughs> <laughs> then we but get into that whole is common sense really common? Right, but even they, the, the students approach it from the point of view that they're urban planners. Yeah, and how how are they going to design their city? So oh, th th this game this game is kind of like that introduction into like the the design. Like if I put if I if I put if I have like three city halls, is is that really even going to be beneficial to me? What's what city needs three city halls? Well, and you know what, I I uh, don't take this wrong way, but I hate you right now because mm -hmm. I I just had a project pop in my head about them basically blueprinting their own. You know, here you go. Here's your here's your big chunk of paper, and here's a box of pencils and whatever you need, and develop on paper. And and then of course I like that tie-in with the whole concept of bringing an expert. How mm -hmm. does an expert approach this, uh, and and what is your own city's uh, municipal plan? Right. That that interests me too. Because do they do long-term plan? Do they do short-term plan? Is their plan completely focused on the budget they receive, or is it focused on this is what we need to provide for the people, and then we will find the money? That's right. to me that that it, would be it, interesting. Is in the back of their mind? Are they keeping the the growth of the city in their best interest, or is it I want to make sure that I punch out and get my retirement? Well, yeah, because <laughs> right. in suburbia, yeah. your whole goal is that you want to increase your pop. You want to have the better population. Is that is that something that these the, the, these folks keep, would, keep in mind? Yeah, it'd be interesting if if that goal, if that game objective is legitimate to what an actual you know, civil engineers' objective is for a particular real-life city situation. Mm -hmm. Do they have? That'd be interesting to ask them if they have a target uh, growth point percentage in mind every year, and if they don't hit it, do they do they reverse engineer and evaluate their system and say why didn't we have this growth rate? You know, yeah. climb or decrease or. There we go. We 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 just pretty much planned your unit. Yay. <laughs> That uh, and the and as we said before, that one listener is the one who benefited from this dialogue. <laughs> uh, all right, so thank you, listener. Thank you. You gave you give us purpose. Um, so to wrap up for my side, grade eleven sociology, society and culture was the unit, and the lesson was social institutions. And I thought suburbia would be the perfect uh, element of cardboard in the classroom to simulate this for the students and show them that interconnectedness of social systems I, I I'm excited to see what it how how it turns out oh I think yeah we, we're, we're gonna get this to the as, as we say in the board game we're gonna get this to the table I'm gonna get this to the classroom as fast as I can so that trademarked 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 <laughs> um, I don't think right. it's, I don't think it's just as easy as that <laughs> yeah well I hope so um, <laughs> so well that's uh, th I think I think we're moving into the wrap. I think that's a wrap for this episode. I think so. Yeah, I'm very happy with it. So um, this is, uh, thank you for listening. This is Cardboard in the Classroom. I'm Norm. And I'm Ryan. And thank you for listening. We 
We are Bridge City Board Gamers, and you can find us on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter at BC Board Gamers. Our Facebook page is Saskatoon Tabletop Games Community, and on Board Game Geek, Guild number 3039.